So over the last three weeks now, we've heard this series, uh, The Stones Cry Out. Uh, we looked at week one is, as uh, Abraham built that stone altar and God provided the ram, the stones cried out that the Lord will provide. And then the second week, we looked at the Ten Commandments and saw how the Lord guides us with his law. Last week, we looked at Jacob as he was fleeing from his brother and he, he lays down at night with that stone as his pillow and the stone cried out to him, hey, the Lord is in this place. Now, I already gave you a clue, and it's on your service folder cover, so you can cheat if you want. But uh, listen to what the stone cries out as I read our lesson for today from Jeremiah chapter 31, just reading four verses from there. So see if you can see, see what the stone cries out. Uh, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. So what do the stones cry out? You say forgiveness, that's because you're cheating because it's already on here. There's no stone in there. I mean, yeah, there's a picture of stones. There's no stone mentioned in those four verses. Oh, I suppose we could maybe try to stretch it. You know, we could look at some of these descriptions in Jeremiah 31 and where God says, oh, I'm like a husband to them, and I grab them by the hand. And, and so what does a husband give a bride if we're the bride of Christ, if we're the bride of God? A husband gives a bride a, a stone, right? Uh, a nice rock. A, a diamond ring. Like I said, that's maybe stretching it to find a stone here in Jeremiah 31. Uh, maybe we could come up with, oh, there's a stone with this whole idea of a covenant. Uh, that word shows up numerous times here. A covenant is maybe the most common word in our language, other than if you're dealing with legal terms. Uh, but uh, a covenant, you know, is, is a contract. It's an agreement. And the way that we seal or make a covenant with someone is, is maybe we, we just go ahead with a, an old, good old handshake, or maybe not these days, but, but otherwise, you know, it usually takes a signature or a notarized signature. And while covenants are not a big deal for our culture, covenants were a huge deal in the Old Testament. So much about covenants. In fact, they didn't just make covenants. Literally, they cut covenants. What they would do is they would take an animal, and they would cut it. They would sacrifice it. And then they would take the parts of the animal, and they would put half of the parts over here on this aisle, and they would put half of the parts over here on this aisle. And then the two parties of the covenant would walk back and forth between the animal parts signifying, symbolizing that saying, if I break my covenant, if I break my terms of this agreement, may this happen to me. That's how serious they took it. 
One of my former co-workers, and when I was associate with him, he's a professor now, but he always said he wanted to bring that back for marriage, for wedding ceremonies. You imagine a bride and a groom walking down church with you got animal parts on each side of the center aisle. And, and his point was, his, his point was maybe we'd have a lot less divorces if we took that covenantal that, that seriously. But that's how serious God wants us to take covenants. He says it always, in fact, that's where the, the sacrificial system of the Old Testament comes from. That God comes into an agreement with his people, and if you break the agreement, if you break the covenant, it costs something, blood has to be shed. And so you, you think of, of the covenant that God made with his people when he brought them out of Egypt, as is referenced here. You know, and then they meet on Mount Sinai, and God says, hey, I'm going to get into a contract, into a covenant with you. I'm going to be your God, and you're going to be my people, and here's the things I'm going to do for you, but here are the things that I want you to do for me. Here are the terms of the covenant. And if you don't, can't keep up your end of the bargain, it's going to take a sacrifice. And we know at least a summary of what that covenant was, that God gave on Mount Sinai was the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments were carved into what? Stone. That's a long ways to get to. Maybe there's a stone here too, right? And yet, we already looked at the Ten Commandments in week two of our series. That's when Pastor Colander was here, and he, he led us to see how those, those stones, that cried out to us that the Lord guides us with his law. And if we wanted to look at those same stones today, you might say, well, those stones cry out, we're guilty. We don't keep up our end of the bargain. We don't keep up our end of the covenant. And that's the exact opposite of what I'm trying to say the stones cry out today, where it says, instead of, says, instead of saying that we're guilty, the stones cry out, the Lord forgives. And so did I just pick, am I just preaching to a theme instead of preaching what the Bible says here? Am I just trying to make this fit some way, some, some, way, some shape, some form? Actually not. Uh, this theme that is before us today, and that we want the Lord to bless us through today, it's there. It's there in these words. Maybe I have to look for it a little bit deeper, though. You know, the theme is the Lord forgives. Uh, this section of God's word includes one of the most beautiful passages uh, when it talks about the Lord forgiving. As it says again, it says, For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. And you say, yeah, that, you're right. That is a beautiful passage. But I'm still not seeing the stones. How are the stones crying out that message? Well, we have to understand what does forgiveness entail? The stones are what comes before forgiveness. The stones are the hurts that we throw at each other and the, and the hurts that we feel 
when someone else hurts us. And so before we can be forgiven, we, we, we have to come to grips with what needs to be forgiven. Right? And maybe that's where, where stones really fit this illustration the best. In fact, that was the same illustration uh, that was used this last week, and I, I bring it up because I know some of you listen to it or you read the podcasts, or you watch the videos. Um, but uh, some of you are maybe familiar with um, uh, Time of Grace Media Ministry. Uh, so there's a half-hour sermon every week, and there's short three-minute videos every day, and there's, there's devotions that you can get in your inbox, or you get a little booklet. Um, and Pastor Mike Novotny, and I, I totally endorse uh, Time of Grace Ministries, but Pastor Mike Novotny, their main speaker, just last Sunday was talking about forgiveness, and he used his whole illustration was about stones. And I'm just clarifying that I had this theme picked in last November, all right? So I am not plagiarizing him. Uh, but I, I wanted to let you know if you think I stole everything from him if you watched it last week. But his, his whole point was is that, you know, we have to be careful when we talk about forgiveness. We love to talk about forgiveness in church when it's general. But as soon as we start talking about personal forgiveness, that can be somewhat dangerous because if I'm talking about personally forgiving others or personally being forgiven by others, I have to come to grips or I have to remember what needs to be forgiven. And those are often painful memories. And he likened it, and, and this is a picture throughout scriptures, is that it's like throwing stones at each other. You know, that, that sometimes there's these small stones that get, get thrown at each other, and oh, yeah, maybe that one doesn't hurt. But sometimes the stones that we either throw or get thrown at us are these huge boulders, and, and those really hurt. And now we have the option and, or the decision, and what are we going to do when someone throws a stone at us? And, and the way that, that he was really spot on uh, in his illustrations, he, he kind of used four things, but he, two that I want to look at is that he said, you know, we can either, what, what we see so often is we pick that stone back up and we, th- we get back. <laughs> you hurt me, I hurt you. That's an easy thing to do when someone sins against us. Or if we, don't get, if we don't get back, we maybe pick that stone up and we get bitter. You know, we don't, we don't throw it at the person who hurt us, but every time we think about that person or what they did to us, we just clench that metaphorical stone with our fists and we're angry. We get bitter at them. And maybe... Uh, maybe that's something what you're feeling today. Or maybe that's something you've done in the recent past. You've either taken you know, a stone and you have gotten back at someone else when, when they have hurt you. Or you're still hanging on to that stone and you're bitter. And you can't forgive them. While those are natural responses... we know that they're wrong responses. They're unhealthy responses. And, and let's not sugarcoat it. It's not just unhealthy. It's, it's sinful. It's sinful on our behalf. 
I mean, go back to that Ephesians uh, lesson that we said earlier from what, what Paul writes to the people there in Ephesians chapter 4, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as, just as in Christ God forgave you. Just as, equal sign. You know, that, that, that means it's not scribbled out. It's a clean copy. Can we do that? Does our forgiveness ever look that clean? Do we, can we ever forgive just as in Christ God forgave us? 99.9999% of the time, the answer is no. The answer is no. And I say that today, A, to, to maybe come to grips with even how our good deeds, the Bible says, are like filthy rags. I mean, forgiveness is a good thing, but even our our, our forgiveness can be tainted. But I, I, I don't say that so much to dwell on the shortcomings of our forgiveness as much as I want to magnify the magnitude of God's forgiveness today. When you compare His forgiveness to ours, that's amazing. I mean, look again at these beautiful words that, that Jeremiah writes here. You know, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. You know, when you think about it, how, how we pick up, how many stones don't we throw at God against His law, against His covenant relationship with us? And we just pelt Him with stone after stone after stone after stone. And yet, what does he do? He forgives it. He forgives that wickedness and remembers our sins no more. That, that's, that's a cool word, uh, that he remembers our sins no more. That, that of all the things that God could do, I mean, he's, got, he's omniscient. He can remember everything. And yet, this shows just how complete his forgiveness is. That, that he, he wipes the slate clean, he, he uh, you know, destroys the evidence, he clears the computer, he, he just says, no, it, it is gone. It is gone. Your sin is so completely forgiven. You know, and, and that's just a, a beautiful picture that, that God pick, paints for us. In, in the Bible. But I want you to think about that. And, you know, even this word forgive, I mean, we, we maybe stress that he remembers my sins no more, but even this word forgive is pretty neat. I, you know, and we've talked about this before, that the Bible is, was written in, in a couple different languages. Uh, it was written in in Hebrew, and it was written in Greek, both of which understand that when the Bible was written, it was a very oral society. Uh, so they couldn't just say, oh yeah, what did God say? And so then they go back to their Bibles and they could always find it. I mean, there were some scrolls around, but for the most part, it was, hey, I'm going to tell you this and then you remember it. And so both of those languages that God employed thousands of years ago are, are picture languages. And 
And I think that was on purpose on God's part so that you could hang on to the illustrations. We talked a little bit about this in, in Bible class on Thursday and just a commercial. If your schedule allows it, join us on Thursdays at 10. Uh, but we said uh, this week as an illustration, we said, oh yeah, God was angry. And I could ask you 10, 10 minutes later, and what was God? And you say, oh, I forgot. Because angry doesn't mean anything to us. But the Hebrew word for God was angry is that God is hot in the nostrils. That picture stays with you, Right? Um, same thing with the way that the Bible uses various words for forgive. There's one word for forgive, which has the idea of, of painting this picture of that God just sends it away. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed your sins from you. Uh, there's another word uh, that, that pictures forgiveness this way that it says you have all these burdens on top of you and just god comes and he and he lifts them up instead of sending your sins away he lifts them off of your shoulders and you can just feel the relief as you've carried that guilt for so long and he lifts them up well the the word that uh, jeremiah uses here it's maybe not so special because of the picture uh, that is used for forgive but the subject of, for, of this word. This word for forgive is never used for you and me. It's only used for God. Every time this verb shows up, God is the subject. Because only God can forgive like this. Only God can forgive in such a way that he remembers your sins no more. And we say, well, how can God do that? How can he forgive so completely as if it's our sins never even existed? Well, he tells us here. He tells us in these opening words, you know, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Do you understand what God is saying here? He's saying, he's saying, okay, I had a covenant when I brought my people out of Egypt. But it's, it became quickly apparent that people couldn't keep up their end of the bargain. And so what am I going to do? I'm not going to give up. This time I'm going to make a new covenant. And instead of being a bilateral covenant where both parties walk back and forth and make this agreement, this is going to be a unilateral covenant where I'll do it all. I'll keep all the terms of the agreement. There's not going to be any you shalls or you shall nots in this covenant. It's just going to be littered with I wills. I will be your God. I will make a new covenant. I will make the people of Israel mine. I will, I will, I will, I will. Oh, there's still going to be blood involved. But it's no longer going to be an animal's blood. It's no longer going to be the people's blood. It's going to be God's own blood. Which is what we get to celebrate today, which really brings to highlight what Jesus did in Monday, Thursday in that upper room. What did he say? He told his disciples, take and drink. This is my blood of what? Of the new covenant. 
poured out for you. For what? For the forgiveness of sins. That is what you and I have here. That, that God, for all of those stones that we just keep throwing at him for all of our sins, he just looks at them there on the ground and he, he lets the stones alone. And he takes out the covenant price on his son. A new covenant. You know, I, I said at the beginning of this sermon that uh, where are the stones? And the conclusion was they're not there. That's exactly the point. Our stones, our sinful stones, are no longer there because of the blood of the new covenant poured out in Jesus. Maybe to help you to illustrate that, uh, if you want, um, I'll, I'll put a bag of these stones at the door on your way out today. And if you want to grab one, one per person or one per family, whatever, I got enough. But maybe you just want to take one of these home and you set it on your kitchen table or you put it on the, the windowsill above your sink or you put it in that little cubby in your dashboard in front of the sh shifting thing that it only gets filled with junk anyway or masks. Um, so you might as well put this rock in there. And every time, every time someone hurts you, every time someone throws a stone at you and you are tempted to pick that stone up and get back are you tempted to pick that stone up and clench it and get bitter? I'd encourage you to just let that stone alone. As you're reminded that that's what your Savior did for you. That he let the stone alone. He forgives you. He forgives me. All of our wickedness. And he remembers our sins no more. Amen. We'll continue with the Nicene Creed.